about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. Como estas? I'm alright. Good. Because we are on episode 49. And we, we got things to talk about today. Wow. <laughs> are you amazed we have things to talk about? Are you amazed we're on episode 49? I'm more amazed that we're on episode 49. Got it. <laughs> episode 49 of what? Oh, um, dismembering horror. That's correct. The podcast <laughs> show where myself, Ryan McDuffie. And myself, Tim Aslan. We talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. And we're on the hunt for the buried treasure, for the bricks of gold that we are greedily searching for. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Connecting it to today's film. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we like taking a, a subjectively critical standpoint. I'm going to con connect it, how I feel to today's film, too. I feel like I want to just go back to sleep. Oh, yeah? <laughs> right. Tim turned to me in uh, the, uh, this film and said, are you awake? <laughs> Well, there was like the way we were sitting, there was, I couldn't see you. There was like the, the couch was sort of between us. And, uh, and it dawned on me, I was like, man, he hasn't moved at all this whole time. I wonder if he's even awake because <laughs> I, I wanted to go to sleep during some it. Some sort of catatonic state, perhaps. <laughs> I forgot I had a body to move in, oh a, my God. in a not pleasant way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 We got... You know what? You know if you if you didn't get get a idea, a sense of what we're getting at already, uh, we weren't crazy about today's film, The Devil's Backbone, El Espinazo, Del Diablo. But Tim, where you're wanting to go back to sleep, perhaps these sort of sort of akin to the episodes that are on our our films we loved, the ones that are that are we didn't enjoy, but I think. At least for me, like I, it's I'm gonna need some help figuring out exactly like what didn't work about it in the face of so many positive crit critical I, responses. I know. Like, were we just the odd man's out here? Were we just not in the right mood watching it with the lights on and daytime? Like, mm, you know, but I we've mean, done that I, with other movies yeah, too. Like, I can I have a list of specific yeah. things that I'm like. Yeah, no, that's okay. I, I, I this made me not like it. Great. So. I think um I was basically like I need your help because I have some generalities. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, anyway, as I said, it's, I think it's fun to do this because I think it's equally fascinating yeah. to me when it's sort of um on the surface it feels like maybe a good movie in a way. Right. <laughs> and anyways, yeah. Um, I had a couple things from our previous two episodes. Oh, if we need some time filler for this one too, which we don't. No, we probably don't. Not. But you know, just um, just some, just some things to go back two episodes to our episode on audition. I remember. Um, I was trying to make the case <laughs> of how a lot of how it was shot was working in a way to sort of play off the men objectifying the woman, but simultaneously how the main woman and the women are the ones in power, kind of mm -hmm. like in control of the men. 
And um, I was trying to think of shots, but like the main one that I just failed to mention, I wanted to mention retroactively, was during one of their date scenes, you have the woman, you know, who's the crazed murderer or whatever, possibly. Um, it's shot from her point of view, looking at our main dude and like looking at the main dude kind of in this interview way, mm-hmm. like in a almost mm-hmm. reverse audition right. way. Like that was... Um, I thought that was basically the shot that I think mainly supported. Well, and if I remember right, which, you know, (laughs) who knows, um, the reverse shot of, of those date conversations, like is not his point of view. Exactly. It's a lower off to the, uh, left of him like low to high shot of her. So she, she's, she's bigger and, and sort of higher in the, in the, yeah. Her frame, so frame that, that, is taking up the frame. Yeah. That puts her in the sort of position of power. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. I thought that was cool. And then during last episode, midsummer, you set up, uh, that you were going to, uh, say when it happened, you teased how there was a person who got up and left during the middle of it, but you didn't end up telling us which part that ended up happening. Oh, it was right after the the um the mallet to the dome. <laughs> and you said what was his reaction? He goes fuck this movie and got up and left. <laughs> 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 so awesome, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, I that's all I was curious. <laughs> okay. I mean, he missed a whole lot of other stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> this movie. Okay, should we do get into this movie then? Yeah, let's just, you know, let's just watch a trailer. All right. Here's uh, the trailer for The Devil's Backbone, a.k.a. El Espinazo del Diablo. international release films i usually try to find the original language trailers but sorry i failed this time around or didn't take the effort how dare you um (laughs) but what we did get from this one was was it ghost ship or wrong turn trailer i think it was ghost ship where it uses that cue that's like identical you know it's just i called that out for that movie whatever which one that yeah. was yeah it's just hacky yeah it's just hacky it's kind of a bummer yeah mm. i know i know you know what tim like when i when I, I read what this movie was i'm like oh my god guillermo del toro like world war Two era mm-hmm. ghost film I'm like, this is this is going to be one yeah, of those. it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> I've been wanting to see kind of, you know, fill out what I've seen of his films, too. Well, I guess I Do you I, think you've seen all, like, everything he's done or most of what he's done? I've seen most of them, yeah. 
Um, it's been a while since I've seen uh, Blade 2. I don't think I've seen that <laughs> since theaters. That was good, though, I remember. It's pretty good. There's a Mimic home... I haven't seen in forever, too, but oh, that's God, one that's kind long, of, you yeah, know. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Blade 2 has a really funny fight scene. It was like early CGI, and Blade is fighting, you know, one of the, I think there's two bad guys there in like head to toe sort of black outfits and and it, it it's like a hard cut to sort of the wide of this fight and it's entirely cgi mm-hmm. like the the blade and the two that he's fighting or maybe it's just one <laughs> and man it is it is remarkable just... to see how how far we've come with like just cgi people you still see some of that sort of rubberiness in and like the lack of gravity right but this is like oh oh, man bad (laughs) cg wesley snipes yeah it's just what the fuck is going on but yeah i agree that well speaking of disappointing cgi we should get into this film jesus christ oh i'm sorry you know i would i do want to preference this with like I, I kind of do love Guillermo del Toro, though. I do. I really do. I think we. I think this is a conversation we should have in things of note because yeah. I I have some thoughts. Okay. Um. But so let's do a Senor del Toro what do we do first, right? If you're, if you're listening, though, I do love you. Yeah, you're and, you're uh, lovely. You seem jovial. I love everything he does. I love his his museum thing. I mean, hey man. <laughs> But now, but we have a job to do. I'm sorry. We're here to do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Right. Rating. Um, I would just stream it. I mean, I would borderline avoid it, but it's just, people seem to like it. So go ahead. Well, you're speaking to other people there. I'm just speaking to myself with these ratings, Tim. I think that's what I uh, try to default to. I know. Um, I kept wanting to say, so... Ex- I, I would have sat through this. My experience with the film was I I kept, I guess my in summary review of it <laughs> is like, it was, I've said this about other films we've watched, but it felt like a movie that never started. So I kept feeling mm-hmm. like there were a couple moments where I'm like, okay, here's when the movie's finally picking up. But then it was just a moment that mm-hmm. I liked. Mm-hmm. And, um, be, but they weren't enough to save the movie for me. As cool as this, like a lot of the aspects were about it, I think my 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 litmus test for would I stream it or avoid it is would I rather be watching another film that I've seen a thousand times? Right. And I would have. So I would tell myself to avoid it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I said. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> that's my. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just feel so bad. Don't feel bad. I like Gamble the Toro so much, though. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's any consolation, this is just his sort of his second bigger or third, I guess, film. But were there were we just not in the mood? There were so no. many good reviews. It no. was like I was they're wrong. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're, you're right. Critically speaking, I mean, I we it's our job. Yeah, there there's I well. Let's let's uh, let's summarize. Okay. All right. All right. Can you start? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Spanish Civil War, 39, 38, maybe. 39, I believe. Um, there's a orphanage out in the middle of fucking nowhere. 
and you know it's it's a bastion for um well for some remaining orphans and for some of the republican uh left leaning uh you know uh what were they the sort of the the rebels of the coup that started the the whole war yeah um and are are sort of they're in hiding there are sort of a dual protagonist kind of sort of if you will we have the the open the oh, cold open don't even get me started on the protagonist <laughs> <laughs> so we have the cold open which is um Jaime is there for a fellow kid's death. What's the the ghost kid's name? Santi. Santi. So so Jaime is there for Santi's death, and then is still there. But then the kind of what feels like more the movie. Oh, and then a bomb is dropped that night too. Right. Um, that doesn't go off. It lands in the middle of the courtyard of this orphanage. Yeah, and then we have um, which is like. We're mentioning mentioning in the summary because it feels like it's such an important thing for the movie, but never it is not goes. <laughs> um, and then um, and then we have Carlos is kind of feels like that's the movie kicking in of someone who's newly mm-hmm. left there. Yeah. And they're they almost don't want to take him, but they do. Right. Yeah. They, they don't have food and I mean, they have room, but they don't they, they're sort of scrounging at this point and then so and Car- for what purpose then, right That's so carlos sees this ghost boy and there's a an old a, a young man there caretaker. The, the caretaker joaquinto yeah joaquinto mm-hmm. jacinto whatever <laughs> um <laughs> who's who's kind of du- like douchey mcdouche mcbag right he's mean and McGee. abusive to these kids in order for in order so they stay in line so nothing happens to them so he doesn't get in trouble which is what i gathered was his motivation he literally says that he's like you guys can't step out of line or else i get in trouble okay for was what's the consequence of you getting in trouble there's nobody else there and sort of over the course of two hours or whatever (laughs) carlos just keeps seeing this ghost and this guy jacinto eventually keeps being a dick yeah and that that culminates somehow in like everything exploding and it's just the kids <laughs> versus Jacinto. Well, he has an agenda. There's gold that the the woman and doctor who are sort of the, the heads of the orphanage, they are keeping that gold for the resistance. Yeah. That's why that gold is there and why they stay there because they could just bounce out, but they are loyal to the resistance. And... What did you call him? Joaquinto? No, Jacinto. Jacinto. Jesus. I've, I mean, that could be totally I, wrong, too. I don't know That's Spanish, just how so. I read it. So he, his whole, we find out his whole agenda, basically, is he's been, you know, he's just been deceiving everybody there so he can get the gold, so he can go away from the war, essentially. And then we got these other adults just kind of, keeping it down they're like workers oh you mean the doctor and the yeah yeah so the doctor and the what would you call her the woman who owns the orphanage right the administrator yeah yeah i mean they're you know they're they're they have good intentions they're they've got their things going on but it's like whatever yeah it's very whatever (laughs) (laughs) it is very whatever um uh, there's the, the the fiance 
character who stands up to Jacinto Conchita. Right. We got boys collecting slugs. We got... I don't know. I don't know what happened in it. Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing happens. There's no... Well... (laughs) It's... It's... It's a slice of life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great. Okay. Okay, great. So let's get into what worked. All right. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked for you? It was like kind of the other Spanish film... That we watched, um, those Ojos Angela's de Julia. Eyes. Oh yeah, Julia's eyes, not Angela's eyes. <laughs> those Ojos, yeah, where <laughs> Angela's you ashes. have this opening shot and line that seemed so promising, and then after that, it was all not the same. And that was my same experience with this one, where it's like, okay, you have this. It's like the Del Toro y or Del Torin, <laughs> um, like narrator posing the question of like kind of what a ghost is and then tying that to the idea of a bomb being dropped in a really neat visual and not going off. So I liked that. I, I So here's what I think the attempt is, is to make the, the metaphor, the connection of like what haunts us and there may be part of a sort of lost in translation and how this is how we receive the language right like a spanish speaker may receive the language of like i don't i don't know spanish but like however they say what they say to us in english like what makes a ghost may kind of come across differently than than we say it like in in other words instead of saying what what makes a ghost you could say what is haunting, like what haunts us? I mean, it's like what we've talked about with the the J horror movies, and there it's a grudge, right? But I think that the overarching attempted theme is this idea of like the themes of repeating, um, so to speak, sins of things like greed and, um feeling trapped and like not taking action and not saying what you want and all these sort of like you're being held back or like just the mistakes of your own um, egotism or whatever. And that, you know, as I looked into the Spanish civil war a little bit to try and get some context, I mean, I kind of can see that there's maybe a connection if you were really into that stuff and you had, you had, um, context within your own life like del toro uh, dedicated this film to his parents um maybe they had that was a big part of like of their story as a family Mm -hmm. so sure those are all kind of good concepts but you know i never felt like i was that they were landing in any clear way. Well, they, it was, they were, oh God, we let's, that, I know. that's what didn't work. So I know we'll save, save it for a reason. It's hard to not, how, how do we talk about what worked if you, well, because like, cause I the kept bomb it, works. I kept it isolated to that opening shot in line. That's all I said worked <laughs> for me was okay, the introduction enough. of all that. Um, the, I, I actually, think visually yeah. it's, it's most of the time really pretty. Oh Yeah. And I like that. I mean, uh, any shot you're getting from like 
the doorways looking out onto the the landscape are just awesome. Just yeah, the coloring and, of them is great. I mean, a big part of that too. As I loved like the setting. Yeah. Like, was what a neat sort of place for to have a story play out. You got the the basement was like so so neat. Yeah. Um, the kitchen area, the the dormitory area, even their their rooms mm-hmm. that the parent of the adults. Mm-hmm. Super neat. The central courtyard, like all the pieces are there, you know, and I, I really enjoyed the setting. Well, and that's I think that's what a lot of people are responding to in their praise of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like you're almost getting hypnotized by that. Yeah. Um, so, okay, that's good. Like, that's obviously working for them as I, well. And I guess more generalities that could uh, convince us of if it's a better movie. Um, honestly, like, the the performances and the actors, like, just in the casting, except for the, the kind of bad dude, mm-hmm. I thought they're all, like, you, you could see good. them being in a better movie. Like, yeah. they were there. They were, yeah. like, much like the setting. Like, they were there ready to... Yeah, I bought the kids they, for sure. Like, yeah, just it's weird. Like, if you took any just kind of moment in this movie and watched it, you'd go, "Oh yeah, this looks like a good movie." Uh-huh. You know? Yep, definitely. So, working in that sense, um, the uh, I guess now I just have sort of a few individual moments or aspects. Mm-hmm. If I should, you want me to list off those, yeah, Do you have yeah. anything? Okay. I, <laughs> well, I liked um, the. It was, it was like one of the times, I think, where it actually kind of looked maybe the first time it happened where there's like the leftover ghost dust. That was just kind of a neat, a neat thing okay. of, of like yeah. be, being introduced to that idea for the first time of like spectral matter being left over. Yeah, it's it, almost ectoplasmic yeah, kind of vibe Having, I don't know, and that just, it was kind of just um, a good example of him, um, you know, playing off a... Uh, you know, the acting and the effect kind of working together where he's mm-hmm. like, oh, what is this? And kind of touching it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the moment, a, a, a thing that I loved that I thought was the movie finally picking up was his little speech and presentation of the devil's backbone juice or alcohol <laughs> or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And he had these, these weird, like, fetuses with their spines mm-hmm. showing. I can explain what that is. I yeah? looked it up. What was that? So it's a, I mean, they've taken it a little further, I think, than the reality just for the aesthetic of it, but it's spina bifida, which is essentially when your spinal column uh, doesn't close in development. And so you have a gap mm. in in there and, and then, you know, the, essentially your insides push out of the spine because there's a gap there. It's not holding it in. Right. So this can... You know, usually now it's it's seen early on in development and they do something about right. it in, in vitro. But in vitro? Whatever. In, well, the baby, before the baby's born. Um, but, you you know, I think back in the day, you didn't know. And then the kid's born and it has this, basically this wound on its back. And then they try to surgically repair it or just not. And well, I think the result is this you know here are examples of that i'm trying to remember more what it was in the context of the movie though well i really struggled to make that connection of what he was was saying in that it was neat what he said starting off that's i think why it hooked me was kind of this visual and Mm -hmm. then his idea that he started to present of like if you where it's clearly it's feels like it's 
a snake oil kind of thing mm -hmm. he's doing by mm -hmm. selling it to the townspeople, but he sort of ties it to, uh, well, you know, it's, it's not dissimilar to believing ghosts or whatever. Right. It was, that's right. It was, yeah. I thought it was silly and a little, and a little, uh, took it too far when he said, um, joined it to, it's like, well, so if you believed you saw a ghost, then go ahead and drink it. I was like, what? But, um, but yeah. again, that, that felt to me like it was something started to congeal in that moment. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I guess sort of in a, in a small way, I, I like that character development that he, it sort of speaks to his character. He's like, I'm a man of science and mm -hmm. you know, you got to do this. And, and you can see that his own facade is, is being chipped away kind of internally by himself because the kid leaves, he drinks some of it. And then yeah. I think almost that might, was in the next scene when he's reciting poetry to the, the administrator woman through the wall. Yeah. And, you know, we realize that he's been carrying this torch for her and it's not, it's like not coming to anything. Yeah. In fact, she's having sex with the young dude. Right. Right. Murder. So there's this, it's horrible. There's this sort of the lie that we tell ourselves thing going on. Yeah. Which if you can be cool. Yeah. <laughs> it can. It, it it's never developed really. <laughs> um the next thing uh Oh, yeah, I mean the the very first time we saw the ghost, maybe the second time too. I thought that was neat. Um Yeah. And then um it picked up what I was hoping for. I think where I was hoping for, and maybe in retrospect where I thought the movie should have gone like a quarter of the way through it or like the inciting incident was leaving it. So it was just the kids and this bad guy because it finally mm -hmm. kind of at least got like a little, I wanted to see what happened next when it was, yeah, when everyone else died and it was just the kids versus this. Um, man. Right, but that didn't happen till that was the way way end, <laughs> the very end. Yeah. So at, at that point, I felt like if we said nothing happened in this movie, that felt like the only thing that happened mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, I can see that. And then just kind of this as like, okay, well, this is the the unique thing to this movie is uh, it's like these thirteen year olds fighting a, a twenty year old with uh, <laughs> sticks. Great. Cool. And make him, Got him. make him get revenge uh, by a ghost. <laughs> right. Um, I liked in the opening when, you know, we see Santi dying and, and what was um, um, his buddy's name? Oh, Jaime. Jaime, yeah. So after that moment, you we see that the body being dropped into the, the water and tied up. And the implication is, or the misdirect is that Jaime has done that. But the, the, the imagery of that, I like. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that we, you know, it's weird, weird, um, well sort of pools of water underground yeah. are always just freaky right you know <laughs> i've had those a couple times before i'm not sure what like i don't know anything about that stuff so i don't know what basement wells basement wells are fucking creepy yeah <laughs> are they a real thing they must be i mean that looked like a real place yeah, if it, it did, wasn't at it? least inspired by yeah okay tim what did not work <laughs> um you got anything else 
All right. Oh, you know what? Kids collecting slugs. That works for you? Great. All right. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. So, Tim, I want you to start, but because, as I said, I need help, but I want you to start in response to, we might have gotten this film off of, you know, we we get our films from lists. Yeah, no, this is is definitely off a list. I remember pulling it. Bloody Disgusting, Ott's Retrospect, Bloody Disgusting's Top 20 Films of the Decade, Part 1. Number 18, The Devil's Backbone. I'm going to read this, their short blurb. Great. And you come off of that. Got it. Following the Weinstein-Butchered mimic, his disastrous first foray into American filmmaking, Guillermo del Toro went back to his roots and crafted this elegant and deeply felt ghost story set during the Spanish Civil War. Like Pan's Labyrinth, which del Toro has called Backbone's spiritual sequel, it's alternately a gut-wrenching portrait of childhood in time of war and a skin-crawling, evocative nightmare. It's also the rare horror film that functions equally well as a human drama, and that's due to del Toro's skill at writing full-blooded characters we can truly care about. At the end of the day, the film ultimately works so well because del Toro understands that at the core of every good horror story, whether explicit or not, lies a beating human heart. Mm, Man. (laughs) Tim was shaking his head during most of that. Oh, my God. I only, like... I have to dismember that as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, percent- so yeah. Okay, so tell me the what's the the first the first line of that thing of of when he's talking about the movie, like why yeah, why yeah. it's so great. Um, crafted this elegant and deeply felt ghost story. Okay, so elegant, I can actually kind of get behind in a certain way. Like we talked about, it. the look of it is is. Is it's of a time, you know, it actually makes me think sort of of like the English patient, you know, it's got this really beautiful sort of look to it and it's shot in a way that that is pleasing. Um, the horror story just by itself, let's like just just take that the the horror that exists in this movie is an it, it, to me is one of the biggest flaws of this story. The main bad guy, his whole thing in the whole discovery of the movie or the big aha moment of the movie is is the flashback of Jaime describing what happened to Santi. So Jaime has had this secret the whole time. And the secret is that Jacinto or however you say his name, as big of a douche as he is, accidentally killed Santi. It's a fucking accident. So it doesn't make me care or or it doesn't make it more cathartic that he's a bad guy. We've already established that he's just a dick. I know. And right? something about, like, as you say, so, he's, he's just a dick. Is he's not, he's not like a threatening, scare. Like, he is, but he's not... I was never at any point scared of him. No. And nor am I afraid of the ghost at any given moment because it's a sort of like, oh, he was a boy who was harmed. And what has he done except sort of approach people? So that's not scary. So the real only sin of that moment is that instead of 
because he accidentally pushed the kid against the wall and it cracked his head open, which it, you know, well, it, I guess it cracked it enough because the ghost has like broken forehead, like porcelain broken forehead, yeah. which is a cool effect. I guess I left that out. Yeah. Um, but the, the sin is that he, instead of telling anybody that there was an accident, that he wrapped him up and dunked him into the sink and, and then and that's officially killing him. He would have died anyway, but that's going to kill him. Right. And, and, right. and then he leaves it be, be to preserve what? So, so it all sort of, to me, it all sort of falls apart right away from the development or lack of development of this bad guy character. Like the information we've gotten is that he was an orphan there as well. Right. He was there for 15 years. He left and then he came back for some seemingly sort of like loyal reason. But then we find out the actual reason, which is he knows that they have gold there and he wants to steal it. So he's a dick. He also is a dick to the kids, kind of un, like logically, right? Like if he's trying to keep things, keep himself, you know, close to the administrator so that he can get the key so he can open the safe so he can steal the gold. Right. He should be a little bit less of a dick and a little less sort of brazen about his behavior. Well, right. Theoretically. Yeah. That's how I would want him to be so that he can be what we might consider scarier, like the manipulator and the, the person, the snake is much scarier than, right. the, than the lion. Right. It just is. So he's just kind of like, rah, all the time. Well, hearing you, hearing you talk about it combined, like with what I was saying about, um, Oh God, about how it only picked up for me at the end when it was sort of boys versus him. Was mm -hmm. that like, since, since the ghost stuff, wasn't actually scary no you know it yet that was the bulk of everything was just sort of milking nothing mm -hmm. like and thinking that maybe it was that this should have been a revenge story wrapped up in this sort of ghost you know setting right right so and that's how do you why do, yeah. how do you do that like what do you want to see if that's the case like do you want to see you want to see the ghost in in certain ways throughout that lead you along the path of discovery. Well, I want to see is the boys and the ghost working together to defeat this guy, and that's so, what happens at the way in. So I agree. Eventually, yeah. But how do we? How do we sort of? If you want to do this in a way that's weaving our way towards that, don't you want the kids and the ghost interactions to be? You know, to be meaningful or, you know, to make them scary. I'm trying to think of a good example of something that does this where the being scared of the ghost is the roadblock to understanding. And that never really exists, right? The ghost in this is completely non-actionable, right? Like it just stands there. Yeah. It puts its hand on your shoulder and then disappears. Like it he doesn't moans. do anything. So we're not getting information every time we see the For ghost. Size. We're just seeing the ghost. Yeah. And it's just standing there and we're, you know, okay, great. And and we're not even seeing, we're seeing it through my other big issue, which is who's the protagonist of this story? If it's Carlos, they fucked up because, you know, he doesn't really do anything either. Mm -hmm. He, in fact, 
even in the end doesn't do anything. It felt like almost it was going somewhere with, I liked his character trait of he, he had a moral center of he never ratted out the other kids. Sure. He always took kind of the brunt. Da, 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 da. Yeah. But, but he, he's completely passive. Yeah. He's, he's sort of just following along with what people tell him. And then he sees the ghost and then, you know, that happens three or four times and then shit goes down with the adults. And then the ghost shows up one more time and he's less scared this time because he's seen it five times or whatever. And then they, and then the ghost is like, I have to tell you something. He's like, Oh, okay. And then we cut away and then we cut back to Carlos saying, okay, so I know what to do. Because no. the ghost told me that who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, let us get let's get there through obstacles. Yeah. And then have the discovery be the discovery of Carlos. If he's the main character, have him figure it out. Don't have it told to him. Right. That's not how you fucking tell a good story. Right. Nobody gives a shit. Right. If the whole question is, what does this ghost want throughout? Right. It just the movie tells us that the ghost tells us out loud itself once enough time has passed. Right. And furthermore, the ghost doesn't even tell us what happened. <laughs> Fucking. Um, what's his name I again? Jaime does. Yeah. He just offers it up. So this whole time, this other character who was first a bully and then kind of a buddy he finally comes around and he goes, hey, by the way, yeah, I killed Santi. Or I didn't kill it. I saw it, you know, and here's what happened. If you're you're kind of splitting a protagonist in two by having these two kids do well, having them do what they do in this movie. Because I think in theory, the protagonist should be, well, maybe not. Yes. Okay. So the, so Jaime is is essentially a bridge between the ghost and Carlos. He shouldn't exist. He should be a representation of a bad part of the protagonist, Carlos, and just be a bully. Just have right. him be that thing. Have him be an obstacle. It did feel weird as soon as, soon as I realized that was the same kid, like right from the beginning. Like, why is the bull like? Rather than having it be that kind of one flew over the cuckoo's nest formula of the outsider coming in and sort of getting right. uh, th these misfits helping them grow, you know, it was like, OK, wait, but Danny DeVito guy is a main character, too. Like what? You know, right. Not not just a main character, but like holds the key to understanding <laughs> yeah. everything. And it's like, well, not or sorry, really. Yeah. Pseudo protagonist, I should say. Yeah. So. So that's, to me, just a structural and character, like, formatting problem. So I think you would have been much better off if Carlos were seeing everything through his eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything. And it's his struggle to deal with this place that he's right. been dropped into. So, yes, have there be a bully. Yes, have him make some friends with the other kids, but also have his interactions with the ghost fuck with how he's interacting with the other kids. It makes right. him it makes him a pariah or it makes Maybe him, it turns him into, you know, more problems in home at home. Yeah. You know, so, and then have him also be the one who's seeing all of the the weird um, you know, interplay between the adults. Mm -hmm. If we see that stuff through Carlos's eyes, then suddenly we're, we're spying, we're seeing in, and we're seeing how that might affect 
the outcome for Carlos so that when he gets the information or when he makes the discovery, if he's the one who sort of holds all of the information, but he can't tell anybody because he has no allies. So maybe you're saying like if rather than having gotten that flashback at the beginning, if we're with Carlos and sort of only after gaining Jaime's trust by like, you know, going on these little missions for him like he does, does Jaime reveal this this I mean, thing. I think it's a flaw just to have Jaime in the mix there. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work because it could have why been just did, why doesn't between Jaime... the bad guy and the ghost and we just learn that that's altercation. That's right. That's Jaime right. Jaime didn't have to be there at all. Jaime Jaime is sort of like I said, he's sort of a split character. He's actually the ghost's voice. What the purpose he ultimately serves is to reveal the secret that the ghost is trying to get across. Mm-hmm. So He's bridging that gap, but he's also kind of Carlos, right? Like he's also the one who has a score to settle in the end. So it ends up being him who like kills um, Jacinto. <laughs> Jacinto. <laughs> Jacinto. Um, you know what I mean? So that catharsis is through Jaime. Yeah. But we don't like Jaime's been kind of a douche this whole time too. It's like, even if we come around, sure. But but we never got to care about Jaime enough. Seeing him there when Santi dies isn't enough. Yeah. Right? Like, we don't... I didn't feel for Jaime. I was just I guess sort of it was like, supposed okay. to play as, like, okay, this bully character, he's three-dimensional because he's, he's scarred by this, and this is how he's acting out. I, I agree that I think that's exactly what the intention was. But I don't... I think there's splitting characters up in a way that doesn't help the movie or the totally. story move along or or f- to have the story be impactful upon these like revelations it's just a kid being like yeah i was i just decided to keep this secret right but why it was yeah like we never get a sense this is the other big problem we never get a sense as to why anybody does what they do yeah. Right? Like, the only one, I guess, is the bad dude. Like, we get why he sleeps with the, the um, what do we call her? Carla. Administrator. Um, we get that in the scene that it happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why don't we see the intrigue of him leaving the his girlfriend like through carlos's eyes let's see him leaving his girlfriend in the middle of the night sneaking across the way and you've already established maybe he's got these keys you know because he talks about the keys early on and you're like "Ooh, where's he going and carlos follows him and carlos sees him sneak into the the old lady's room and it's just what the fuck's going on and then we see the doctor you know he knows something's up or carlos and the doctor have a moment of like shit now we both know this something's up but we don't know what it is or we're ignoring what it is you know so you get this kind of intrigue of like who knows what i guess this would fall under sort of the broad umbrella of like why a a show like downton abbey works is because everybody knows everybody else's secret but nobody's saying anything Mm -hmm. about it there's there's really none of that it's all just sort of right there it's just handed to us and and then and then that's it. We've been given the the, the thing. We right. no, nobody. There's you're, no consequence. You're right because like it felt like oh here we go a love triangle. But then as there's you said no consequence. Zero like, consequence. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I mean poor Conchita. Like right. she fucking is just she's just being treated like shit. 
the uh, the younger woman is yeah. Conchita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, and that's the other thing. This whole thing of between like Jaime giving her the ring, uh, the cigar band as a ring, yeah. like having that interaction, it never pays off in any way. Okay, maybe that's so the that moment. Um, I thought it should be Carlos doing that. Right. <laughs> All of this should just be one kid. Um, Okay, it was just interesting because all of these pieces, they felt like like I could see them in a better Guillermo del Toro film. Like, they didn't seem different to me, sort of like, I love Shape of Water and just sort of these details of like, okay, the bomb drop that doesn't go off, the, the giving the paper ring from a kid to another, like all mm-hmm. this stuff, it felt like the same exact things but they're just i mean you've probably already answered it but they just weren't coalescing in any way yeah i don't think that the threads that are woven to connect those things work yeah i think they're the wrong connections or non-connections so they go nowhere despite the characters having like the history that they have and like as i said all the pieces were there would you agree with i have down the characters just fell flat yeah. Somehow, yeah. Well, I think this is part of why is because the characters, no one really ever does anything or suffers any consequence. Or at the very least, we don't get a sense of that, right? The the, the impending sort of overall hauntingness of the story is purely kind of aesthetic. It's kind of like it's a creepy place and they're like wandering around in the middle of the night and like sometimes stuff happens that's like mildly alarming (laughs) like a bang or you know a pot gets tipped over but none of that adds up to something that is satisfying or ultimately like revelatory to me at all i mean in a movie sense a character sense in a character sense right like I think the good, the perfect example is Carlos being told by the ghost what to do. Yeah. That that just, that's not a moment. We haven't progressed toward a moment for that to mean anything. And then in its execution, it means even less because who gives a shit? He just told him how to like, it's like, it's like in math class when you're in fucking, you know, ninth, 10th grade or something like that. And yeah. And the teacher is like, okay, here's the theorem and here's the equation that you you use. You plug this equation or whatever it is. Remember, you plug this thing, this formula into the equation and it proves the theorem. Right. And it's I always used to sit there going, okay, but why? Yep. What? Like, I get it. That's how you answer the question on the test properly. You get the right answer. But why? Like, what? How did we get to that <laughs> right. formula? Why does that formula and you need exist? To understand or that, the why always. Yeah. If, if and the te- like, I mean, know. I had a teacher literally say, "Don't worry about it. That's not the point. You just need to know the formula in order to get into a college." Right. right. And I just was like, "I'm out," and I just put my head down and slept for through three years of math. Yep. <laughs> Me too. I did that too, Tim. You and know, sorry, I just muttered like, "I hate math." I want to say, I think the idea of what math is and represents is really, really cool. And I understand sure. the why by behind it now. It's just that my brain is, it's not, it's yeah. not for me, but I respect and love the mathematicians who get how it's this sort of inherently like part of the universe and yeah. it is really fascinating if you can't understand it. Well, and to, I think to both our points, it's like 
you would find it fascinating if somebody was actually presenting it in a fascinating way that <laughs> yeah. made you understand what the fuck was going doesn't on. Doesn't mean I'd want to do math problems. <laughs> right. Not, it doesn't have to be your thing, so but if, at least if, you'd appreciate if it. If there was a philosophy of math class, I wish they altered as an alternative to like a doing math <laughs> yeah. class. I would have loved that. Yeah. So just to me, it seems like the same kind of, I mean, that's a weird analogy, but you get where I'm going. It's the same problem of like, oh, well, this happens because this is where that goes. And you're just supposed to be like, it'll get us to the outcome. But like, why? And so, who gives a shit? See if you have, I'm going to continue with their sort of the review I read. Hmm. See if there's anything. I feel like you've already covered it, but if you can either resummarize or say something new. Okay. So their next thing, it's alternatively... Or it's alternately a gut-wrenching portrait of childhood in a time of war and a skin-crawling evocative nightmare. So I just disagree. I mean, I just fundamentally disagree. Go watch The Kid in the Striped Pajamas or The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. You want to see like a movie about somebody like a kid going through the awfulness of war? Like, mm -hmm. let's see it. I didn't see any of that in this movie. What? Because they get given a grain of, of whatever for lunch. Yeah. Like that, that. I'm not seeing these kids suffer in any way. Not even a little bit. None of them seem malnourished. We're told repeatedly that the, that's their experience. But I don't see Carlos suffering at all. Yeah. How about and a skin crawling evocative nightmare? Uh, no, I mean, sorry. I don't know what, like what part was skin crawling. I never once felt like, Ooh, that's cool. I think only the very first time we see the ghost where it's before it's super obvious and we've got to just, Oh, there he is again. Yeah. So I person, well, I just blew this mic out. Sorry. I personally thought that the, the first time when the, the ghost is in the doorway is what you mean? Yeah. I thought that looked like a really bad comp. <laughs> there you go. I was I mean, like, oh, there's a two-dimensional, like, they comped that kid in. It was the CG later on after, like, the first time we see it where I was just like, oh, my God. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, so that, I, I think that's sort of the the end complaint I would have is is just, like, whatever they were attempting to do with the CGI ghost didn't work. And be, I, I, I maybe... That's why the ghost in the story is so limited is because they're doing a thing that they couldn't have the ghost like run around or float around or do shit. They just had him stand and walk. Mm -hmm. uh, don't do it that way if you if it's so limiting. Yeah. So, yeah, I disagree with that part. <laughs> <laughs> Del Toro's skill at writing full-blooded char full characters we can truly care about. I, I can almost get behind that in in so far as I, I think that the characters are fleshed out well. Again, the pieces are there. Yeah. But they're fleshed out well by the writer. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I believe that Del Toro. Did he write this as yeah. well? Yeah. So I believe that he knows deeply who each of these characters yeah. are, but I'm, I it never, feels for them too. Right. You know? I never felt like I got enough information or f got to get in with them in the story, but I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. That guy, I, I can feel where this character is coming from. Can I get some more so I can be there with him yeah. or her, you know, like, I mean, talk about under, right? Like Conchita, like she, her, she's get kind of gets it almost the worst. Like, I want to see her dislike being with this guy, but feel trapped in that world. Yeah. And we never get us. We never get, you know, this movie 
almost never gets us to just be alone with a character and see them feeling the way they feel. Mm-hmm. Well, then I don't care. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I know these Rotten Tomatoes. Rich with psychological and political implications that never obscure its fundamental creepiness. No. I mean, that's right. what it's trying right. to do. Okay, yeah. But I think, I think we've already covered it. Getting Is there it. anything... <laughs> Anything else? I mean, it was just like, I wish that the, it was, so the bomb dropped, I think was the perfect example of like, this is a neat piece. This is sort of one of those little things that you put in. Um, it felt like a middle ground between it's either just one of those sort of flavoring, like on par or on point thematically, just sort of things woven in it. But it felt like a step past woven where it Mm -hmm. was being really built up. Like it was going to have some sort of payoff of either it goes off or it doesn't go off. And that is a moment it not going off to, or something like that. Yeah. But it just, did it have any kind of resolution? I don't think so. No. Um, it, the sense I got from it, I have no, obviously don't know if this is true, but it, it felt to me like an anecdote that del Toro had been told either by his family or somebody close to him or whatever that he, you know, that the anecdote was, yeah, during that war, when I was alive, uh, one of the, their bombs dropped in, in the middle of our courtyard and didn't go off. It was crazy. And the idea of that is what he's putting into this film, but it's just an idea. Yeah. It's not tethered to anything. Yeah. It's just sort of like loosely there of like, wow, how fucking crazy a time to live where stuff like that it's happened. It's in itself, like when he yeah. puts his ear to it, the sounds it makes. Sure. But yeah, like let's, if you're going to, if you're going to broaden it into such a like piece, yeah. you know, this, it's this big visual piece in the middle of the thing. Like I don't. I didn't feel like that was enough just to have the presence of it with as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Right. We sort of like from the get go, it felt like, yeah, we get it. Like, you know, it was neat. You know, I said, I liked that first line. And when it was dropped, because I'm like, cool, here's the metaphor, you know? And I, <laughs> yeah. Then... And like when it drops. So when, so the, the other time, like when we see the, quote unquote moment of it actually landing later in the film when Jaime is telling the story. It's just after Jaime has watched Santi get killed and he runs out into the rain and he looks up in the rain. He's got blood on his face and it's like washing the blood off his face. And then this bomb, he jumps out of the way of the bomb and it lands in front of him and doesn't go off. So cool. But what does that give us? Yeah. It gives us a visual but does it give us anything kind of broader in that moment as like a, you know, right. an it, impact metaphor of any sort? It felt like sort? maybe if it it was almost going to be like where or it could, its potential was it sort of would have been a touchstone throughout of mm-hmm. sort of as the as their sort of ideas of what the, the ghost is or whatever changes. Then we sort of revisit the metaphor with a new perspective. But it just kind of felt like oh, it's here, so I'm just going to sort of slow down to stare and awe at it again and right. touch it. But it wasn't... Well, and and look, you know, in the moment of Jaime telling his secret, 
we and 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 seeing this moment happen this is a big this is the driving motivation of all of his actions is this experience he had and we just cut back to the two of them sitting there going like yep got any comics to read right instead like have Jaime have a point of view about it that's actually spoken yeah right he could say something pretty you know for his age pretty fucking deep you know and that's that's totally worthwhile like kids kids often are able to pull out kind of really um powerful statements in it almost inadvertently yeah but like have him say yeah that was the night the bomb fell it fell i don't you know it almost fell on top of me we all should have died that night yeah. but it didn't go it didn't go off and just the idea of that of like oh right we're all kind of on borrowed time right it's like none what of them we, actually reacted right. to what do it. we do about it mm-hmm. that could then have led us into fuck this we're gonna like fuck this guy Right. We're going to do something about it now. I think that's a good... You know, but there's no actionable aspect of this movie. It's just people sort of being there, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. I think another um, in-summary way to put for this, um, to put it, which is what I said about Evil Ed. Oh, God. Which is that (laughs) I think it could have been a really solid short film. Sure. Because you just have the background of this adult is inadvertently kills a kid. And then with the help of other kids, that ghost kid gets revenge. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and the setting is this really cool setting. Um, great. Like I, you can do that in half an hour or less. Sure. Yeah. I would have really enjoyed that. Yeah. But as you said, I mean, maybe that's just where my mind goes because you said nothing happens. So you just condense it. Just take out what stuff isn't happening. Yeah. I thought the explosion, that CGI explosion was pretty shit. Oh, when they like fly forward. Yeah. Whoa. I remember you reacted that you said what I was feeling. It's kind of like, whoa, like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's. I think I think I I think maybe what people are responding to is the bleakness of it that it is pared down into this sort of just like shit like this is just the way it was or mm-hmm. you know but I I didn't really feel like if that were the case like let's see some let's let's go bleak like go bleak like let's see the kids starving for real yeah like let's see that shit yeah. if you're gonna do it if you're gonna say we're paring this down to just this is humanity at its sort of a really bad point. It did feel weirdly tame for yeah. f- feeling like it. There's no so, so uh, deceivingly bleak, as you put it. Yeah, there was. I, I never thought like unless the bomb is supposed to do this for us. Like I never felt this impending doom. Yeah, like even when the doctor goes into um, town and those dudes get killed, then suddenly he's like, "Oh, we got to get out of here." Right. Why didn't like. What? It's interesting. So I think maybe this is another in summary way to put it, but more specifically how to distinguish his other work from this was you. they sort of all have this like from a child's point of view, almost um, storybook quality, mm-hmm. but then are given 
this gravitas with sort of violence, seriousness, um, the repercussions that, you know, maybe weren't there for this one. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, yeah, they just, they just weren't here in this one. Like when, when you had the altercation between the main bad guy and the fiance and she stood up to him, it was like, I just, I, I felt like I should have been feeling so much more you know, in that moment, like make him truly evil. You know, he right. is, but he's, but we, I didn't feel it. You know, yeah, we never felt it yeah. because it comes kind of late. He's a dick and then he's a murderer. Right. And it's like, no, we should have seen him. I mean, Carlos or Jaime should have seen him fucking kill somebody but like, earlier on. The, the, I, I haven't I mean, seen not, it. I haven't seen it in forever, but, um, Pan's labyrinth, like the main, mm -hmm. uh, Colonel or sure. whatever he is. Um, main evil Nazi. Remember doing some pretty despicable things, and then yeah. Michael Shannon in uh, Shape of Water was like, "Oh, you just—he's, you know, he's yeah. bad. You really are afraid yeah. of him." But it, <laughs> he's it, messed up. To your point of like seeing it through a child's eyes, like I didn't think we got enough of that, and yeah. I and I would have thought that that bad guy was worse of a person if I had if Carlos had seen him sneaking in and out of the the school marm <laughs> yeah like her room the like the you know the one-legged lady's room and you go ooh, what a what a fucking like what's right. he up to or seen him you know having an interaction with one of the workers from town where he actually threatens the guy and, he, yeah. and then and then realizes that you know some the kids are maybe close and watching and he has to kind of cover that that part of his personality up but he's never covering it up when i say through a child's eyes i think i more mean um Guillermo del Toro is able to tap into that sort of childlike wonder at the sure, world. Sure. And a method that he uses to do that is then seeing things through a child's yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. but like the impact of how the children feel about any of this was it, it's disconnected and, and almost sloppily placed because the one time you see Carlos really emotional is... I can't remember what comes just before this. I think it's a big interaction with. Oh, shit. I don't remember. But it's when the doctor has died. Something else has just happened. And then we hard cut to Carlos upstairs where the doctor was sitting waiting to shoot, you know, and the with the record player, all that, that, mm -hmm. that upstairs room. And and it's a hard cut to Carlos, like weeping over the fact that the doctor is now dead. And it's like, whoa, I just like, how did we get there? Mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's disjointed in its execution of our sort of watching these characters move through the story. Yeah, yeah. And then we're right out of it because then um, the bad guy has has grabbed the gun and and is like i'm fucking come on kids i'm gonna lock you up we're gonna or we're gonna undig the the safe and then i'm gonna lock you in a closet yeah okay <laughs> you know so there's yeah to me to be honest i feel this way about a lot of del toro's films i feel that he's not great at at smoothly depicting a story like from point to point mm -hmm. i always feel disjointed in his movies is this uh, what you wanted to get to in Things of Note? Yeah. Do you have anything? I feel like we're kind of repeating things anyway. I don't, I don't anyway. really. I, I don't have anything else. Great. Okay. Things of Note. Things of Note! 
should be interesting. So in so in looking at that, you know, I kind of, you know, he's got such a um, mystique about him. People really love him, and they they really hold his movies up. But I will. I loved Shape of Water. Like I really felt like this coalesced into something. I, I, I think Shape of Water is has a lot of really great stuff going on. But I think it actually does suffer from the same thing of disjointedness. It's not so much disjointedness in that movie but it's like we're jumping in the characters are jumping in their progression so for example in shape of water the first time she sees whatever the the fish guy um she almost without even hesitation is like "Ooh, this is interesting let me leave an egg right the next time I think in that movie we see them together, they're already pals. Like they, we've jumped in the progression of that. We don't get to see her kind of question whether or not this right. is a good thing. So that jump happens. And then I think later in the movie, there's another jump. Okay, I think, so it's stuff like that I, where I'm right. like the massaging of how we get from point A to B to C in his movies often to me feels either rushed or glazed over. For me, this was, I think, Shape of Water that didn't bother me because it's it worked in as example of sort of how you tell this story that's been told before. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. not interested in that. those in betweens at this point. Sure. Like it's it's all familiar enough to me that I'm yeah. like get us to what's unique in this movie. Like, that's so fair. yeah, I think that to me at this one, like because it's I agree it's a really good movie. But I just want more character. The The other moment that felt rushed like that in, in The Shape of Water that sticks out is when her neighbor, the artist, yeah, his turn from being like, I'm never speaking to you again to back in is like fucking instantaneous. You know what I mean? Right. I never feel like, oh, we've got something to lose. I think oh, in that fucked. moment, I felt like she gives some impassioned speech and it was like, it was on the level of, Ooh, wow. I feel told this woman is in charge and I mm. just was affected by her. So I, I bought it wholehearted. Like I, yeah. I loved that moment. I, it I really think, played for me. I think it is largely a taste thing where I really want to see characters take a moment to, um, contemplate. Well, here's what's the distinction. I don't, I, I know the outside distinction between the two for me, but I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, you already answered it therein but it felt like um shape of water like within those first 30 minutes or whatever i felt like i had already sort of lived this whole life with mm-hmm. like her and her mm-hmm. neighbor like i'd already That's sort of fallen yeah. in love and got to know with them mm-hmm. yet that and that that was just not there at all for devil's backbone right but as i said like but yet it was the same on the surface all these pieces yeah um i mean i will say i've seen all of his movies except for Kronos? I I think I've watched Kronos, but I I can't remember. I remember I remember liking it, um, but sort of more in just the sort of um like what his strengths are is just sort of the the a a a, a, a storybook story come to life, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of a good demonstration of that. 
don't yeah. Know. Um, yeah. I mean, just as I look at it, it's, you know, Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy 2, Pacific Rim is I did not, not like good. Pacific Rim. <laughs> I remember I saw that on my, I was so excited for it. You know, I love my kaiju, mm-hmm. but I saw it on my birthday, whatever birthday it was, came out and I was just like, oh, they were just CG and it wasn't exciting. And I don't know, man. It suffers that same sort of, I never really feel like I am in emotionally with the individual characters. I think that's where I'm, where my big wall between liking his movies and, and not is. So if you want to amend thinking that about Pacific Rim, you should uh, watch what my recommendation was of my last Godzilla movie. I recommended Mm. Godzilla, Mothra and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all habitat. (laughs) Okay. It's an excuse to say that title again. Um, So yeah. So yeah, that's sort of it. Noteworthy for me though, was just sort of like, we are familiar with Del Toro enough, even like, you know, after seeing a couple of his movies that I think you can identify what feels, what did I put? Del, Del Torin. Or, right. <laughs> I don't know how he'd say it. <laughs> but um, it was, so So I had a list of those for me. Oh, cool. And it was like, whether, tell me if you feel that you can substantiate it because it's like, whether they're literally, literally reoccurring in his other films or not, they feel like him. Mm-hmm. So I had the 1939 wartime setting. Yes. Boys collecting slugs and comic books. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Smooth-faced, handsome bad guy. Uh-huh. Older, bearded, grandfatherly good guy. Sure. <laughs> um, prosthetic leg. Yeah, I would just... I would throw that into the biomechanical sort of... Yeah. Like, um, almost steampunky aesthetic that he... It's in every single exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Um, dust. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Uh... And then ghost with a still present head injury. Oh, where else is what's what, mm. just something about a ghost and then some. Oh, you know what I haven't seen of his was the um the haunted house movie. I I tried watching it and I was like, this is the talk about nothing happening. I felt like for Wolf. that one it was um I still want to see it because I was told oh well it's not. It's yeah, it's not scary, but that's not what the point. I still want to see it. It's a gothic love story, is basically what it should have been classified as. Which is what it was classified as to me. Oh, good. So, so somebody told you the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's all I had. Yeah. You know, it's true. Yeah. I don't. I just. Everybody was a little too clean and pretty for a war movie for me. Despite the dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I found a, I was reading through a, actually on the Criterion Collections website, an essay called The Devil's Backbone, The Past is Never Dead by Mark Kermude. Um. Oh, Mark. <laughs> You've done it. Can I, I just wanted to read a couple excer- excerpts. <laughs> sure. That is sort of, you know, are some background, whether, whether we liked it or not, an interesting yeah. background to see how it was formed. So... Del Toro began work on The Devil's Backbone in the wake of two terrible events that he would describe jointly as the worst experience of my life. The unraveling of his Hollywood debut, the mutant bug movie Mimic, which Miramax had signed on to direct, blah, 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 and the kidnapping of his father, who was abducted in Guadalajara and held for ransom for 72 days. Like, Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> he said this film was dedicated 
hmm. to his parents. Um, Let's see that movie. <laughs> oh, God. Well, surprisingly, Del Toro describes this falling out with his mimic producers as almost more dramatic because <laughs> what was happening to me in the movie was far more illogical than the kidnapping, which is brutal, but at least there are rules. I remember there was a moment on Mimic that was an almost out-of-body experience when I achieved an absolute Taoist sense of being there, but being almost in a state of grace and being able to survive that fucking pain. <laughs> I'm trying wow. to think it's Del Toro saying this. Yeah. It is strange mixture of becoming, sorry, I won't do it, becoming immune <laughs> of not engaging and believing you're not important at all, that the only important thing is the film. I slipped into it at the end. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I think he just... I think this is true for a lot of... The, it's a different sensibility uh, than your kind of quote-unquote U.S. Western, you know, film storytelling aesthetic. Right. Like, I think there's a Europe, European films. They got a different kind of vibe going on. And things that play for them, we're not used to. And yeah. sometimes I think we just go, oh, that feels weird because it would have been done differently if that movie were made here by somebody from here with a different set of, um, you know, contextual sort of whatever, like their upbringing or, or their exposure to film is a different thing. Um, um, so, yeah. Something we've talked about, I think, is a distinction like with, um, like, I mean, ghost movies, so obvious easy one but a lot of horror movies that are feature anything supernatural we've talked about kind of the distinct the distinction between like the insidious movies let's say and um maybe actually sort of what generally del toro's strength is when i said a a, a sort of openness and wonder mm-hmm. is i think there's an inherent distinction between the films when the filmmaker is like either maybe has had a paranormal experience or is at mm. least sort of like a um a skeptic skeptical toward the idea that we know everything we know already and all mm-hmm. that's ridiculous they're they're open-minded doesn't mean they have to believe in ghosts like we've talked about before but <laughs> right. they're open-minded to like what that even means or right. blah 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 um so it's interesting that that didn't come through necessarily for this one um, but the the anecdote that I wanted to read is that it did come there was an aspect of this that did come from a real life ghostly uh experience oh. he had remember how the the they refer to the kid as the one who sighs mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. so from the same essay as a child del toro said he made a pact with the monsters in his bedroom overcoming his night terrors by befriending the apparitions apparitions that haunted his waking dreams so when at the age of 11 he heard the sound of his deceased uncle sighing in the room where he had once lived Rather than being terrified by the experience, he stored the memory away, keeping it, nurturing it until one day it could be used to create events. So hearing uh, his ghost uncle. Interesting. The one who sighs. Huh. Okay. I mean, I think that's cool. Yeah, but that's what but I, I think. Note. Yeah. I think that in this particular execution of all of these influences and cool ideas is a lack of connective thread and character sort of um pathway yep so um there was one thing i forgot to mention in things that didn't work the keyhole scare 
Oh God, that was just that, that we saw on the end of the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wonky. Yeah. But it was initially I I thought oh that's cool because they basically it looked like they built a built a big keyhole mm-hmm. you know maybe a foot tall one and put it in front of the camera because everything was really in focus and it looked cool I was like oh that's a good way to do that yeah and then they blew it up with a bad CGI eyeball <laughs> well what do you think I think we should move on to recommendations fuck. What? I don't, I, I can't think of one. Well, I'm just going <laughs> to, now that I'm, you know, it was nice having these Godzilla movies to mention because I was able to store up, you know, I've seen some things in the meantime. <laughs> I was able to sort of. Yeah. Um, I'll I, give a shout out to, currently in theaters, probably still in theaters by the time this comes out. I loved Toy Story 4 oh, so yeah? much, Tim. Nice. It's it's probably my favorite out of them. Wow. Like if toy if each of this Toy Story films or maybe the three sequels have been kind of about a different era of like growing up, let's say. This one I think is very much about like if Toy Story 3 was about moving from like <laughs> into I don't know. There's there's stages of adulthood, right? I don't know. I felt like Toy Story 3 was about saying goodbye to childhood. And Toy Story 4 is about saying hello to adulthood. Those sound like, on the surface, the same thing. That's cool. But Toy Story 4 got me and reminded me it wasn't. And, like, I went into it so skeptical of, like, come on, how are they going to do it again? Like, the third one was the perfect ending. Da-da-da. Yeah. Then after the first scene, I was just like, oh, that's how... <laughs> that's how they're gonna get me again and i loved it it was very uh great tom hanks performance very woody centric mm-hmm. it was great um go see it man that's cool i will great not in the theater though probably okay Fair um so i guess i'll so i keep starting movies like horror films either on shutter or whatever to to be like ooh, this will be my next recommendation and they keep sucking <laughs> Like, I, I even put on last night, um, Friday the 13th, part two. And I was like, yeah, part two. Ugh, it's horrible. You have to be, I mean, I love, I acknowledge those movies are horrible, of course, but like. I turned it off. I was just like, this isn't giving me what I need. They're, once you know what they are, you can, the, the mood may strike or not. Yeah. But I've, I also started watching Mandy again. Oh, you, Ugh, yeah. So good. Well. Uh, I had to, I, I was like, I have about 35 minutes. I'm going to watch the first, you know. You just got to watch it all. I know. Well, I will. Um, but since I mentioned it before, you want to watch a fucking bleak ass movie that's really good and has amazing kid performances. Watch The Boy with uh, the boy in the striped pajamas. I haven't it is seen it. Unpleasant. <laughs> it's okay. really sad. No, um, it's not unpleasant. It's just really sad. Right. But like, oof, it'll get you. Which reminds me, Tim, this is, I haven't done it for a while, part of the show. Have you seen I Saw the Devil yet? <laughs> no, I should have watched that. Well, Fuck. Instead of Friday the 13th, too. Maybe next time I ask. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay, well, next episode is a special episode, and we don't have anything planned. It's episode 50, Tim. I know. Should we? I don't know. Let's just wait till number 100. I think we just have to trust the hat is going to give us something special. It's your turn to pull. I know. You want me to hold it? No. Okay. I'm just getting it out. All right. So what is going to be our very special episode 50? There's a couple I have in mind. 
That would crack um, me up. But let's see if it's one of those. Is it a classic? Not one we haven't seen, but it's another Japanese one, so oh, I'm excited. <laughs> one Cut of the Dead from wow, 2017. No idea what that is. I believe it's a maybe a zombie film. Let me see that. <laughs> Just like I said. Huh. Yeah. Maybe. Do you think you put that in there? Oh, of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. But hopefully for good reason. And... And maybe I guess we won't know till after the fact what uh, what will make episode fifty so special. <laughs> so, oh yeah, excited to find out. We'll do it live. <laughs> what? Yeah, we'll just do it live. We'll do a live podcast. Yo, you mean instead of writing our script ahead of time? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> like this is all a script we've been Can reading. You tell. From. Um, God, we're such good writers. Great. Well. <laughs> In the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. Oh, yeah. And also dismemberinghorror at Gmail and on Instagram. And uh, Twitter is dishorrorpod. Please tell us a movie you want us to watch. If you've agreed or disagreed with us and want us to let us know what you think. We will even, especially if you don't agree with us and have a rebuttal to anything we ever say, we'd love to read that at the head of our episodes. I wouldn't mind if, if people start doing that, doing like extra, like little, little side episode, like tiny versions of an episode just to address those things would be fun like a 20 minute or something yeah. like that just be like this person said this about this or whatever one. well as yeah. we the show gets older and older and we have more and more old episodes to refer to you yeah know? yeah um great well that we said where we could find us instagram yep. at dismembering horror twitter at dis horror pod <laughs> yep. um we do instagram stuff yeah. We made a fun little video for our Poltergeist 2 thing. Oh, you should so watch good. that on our Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's summer, man. More to come. <laughs> yes. In closing, <laughs> thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.